Judges chapter six. George Holly was recently with us and he was in this chapter. And I said, Lord, I love my brother, but don't let him get on that verse. And so help me, he preached all around this. He talked about Gideon and you know, he led us to the fact just, I'm not going to preach his sermon again, but you know, he talked about, uh, well, verse 12, when we read it, verse 12 says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that's Gideon, and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And George told us in that fantastic message about how he didn't feel mighty. He was actually hiding in a wine press from the enemy and doing uh, doing what you would normally do in the wine press. He's there threshing barley and he's not, he's not feeling very mighty as he faces this enemy that he's looking at. And then God, of course, decreases the number that he has, 32,000 down to 300 to fight with. And he talked a lot about Gideon, but he read this 12th verse and he actually mentioned what I'm going to say. But he just touched it and then went on and didn't say anything about it. And I told him after church, I said, George Holly, I love you. He said, well, I love you too. Now you'll know why I said that the way I did, George. Verse 13, now he's just been told that he's a mighty man of valor, but he doesn't feel strong. Are there times in your life where you don't feel strong in the Lord? And there's times where we feel like we could just take anything on. There's other times that we feel like, how are we gonna make it through? And he says in verse 13, Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all of this befallen us? Why does good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? He said, if we're of you, Lord, we're facing a terrible enemy. And recently I preached, you can be in the will of God and still face a storm. But as he faced it, he asked a question. And where be all his miracles? Did you catch the word his? Where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? I'm preaching this morning on the subject when nothing but a miracle will do. When nothing but a miracle will do. He said, we've heard all of these accounts from our fathers and as we reflect back on our fathers, everyone here in this place, you didn't have a Christian father, you maybe didn't have a Christian heritage, but many of you did have a Christian father or a godly heritage and you've heard the stories of yesteryear of what God has done and the miracles he's performed and and then you hear what preachers preach from the pulpit when we read to you out of the gospel writers, four different gospel writers that recorded some 35 miracles of Jesus, but yet all of his miracles could not be recorded because there's no way that the volumes of books could contain all the miracles that he did while he was here. And in the middle of this, while praying about this and seeking God about this, I, I had an encounter with an individual. And that individual, 
I, 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 oh, I almost couldn't believe my ears when I heard it. I know their background, I know their heritage, and, and someone will say, well, preacher, people will get mad at you if they get mad at me for telling the truth. They're the one with the problem. But the individual made fun of a person for praying and believing God for a miracle healing. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to a church that doesn't pray. And if you pray, why pray if you don't believe God can answer it? Why would we ask God for anything if we doubt that he can do it? I want to be part of a church that believes with God all things are possible. I want to be part of a church that believes the miracles happen just the way they're recorded in the Bible. Someone said, well, you can't explain it. That's why it's a miracle. If you could explain it or if you could do it, it wouldn't be a miracle. So they started talking about he looked back and said, our fathers, they talked about this all the time, about the miracles that occurred, but Lord, we haven't seen any of those lately. Where be all those miracles that we heard our fathers talk about? Peter and John went up to the temple to pray. And as they came to the gate called Beautiful, there was a man, the Bible says, that was lame of his feet. He couldn't enter the temple area, he was just at the gate. His infirmity disqualified him from being in the holy place. And he's there begging alms, begging offerings from the people that pass by. Peter and John, they lay their eyes on him and they look at him and they say, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Arise and take up your bed and walk. This lame man received his healing because of them. Someone said the church no longer can say, silver and gold have I none. But the church also can no longer say, arise and take up your bed and walk. We have lost something in a generation of time. While we have been blessed in so many areas, here they are, they're faced with an individual that no one could help. That's what miracles are. People that spent all on doctors but still were sick. Not wrong to go to the doctor, but they spent it all, they still were sick. People that had situations where death came and they didn't know what to do. There were situations where there were diseases that there was no cure for or anything that they could do. Jesus constantly was performing miracles. Greatest miracle of all, and I think you'll agree with this, I think the greatest miracle is always conversion. Now let's get that right from the beginning. There's nothing greater than when the Lord saves people. Where are all of those great miracles of conversion? Where are the great revivals? 
where scores of people come to the Lord, get under conviction, and they come to Christ to be saved. Dynamic conversions, unusual conversions. Where are those conversions? My mind went back to a young man on a Sunday morning that came down the aisle. It's been nearly 40 years ago now, if not better. Came down the aisle on a Sunday morning. Didn't know anything about the Lord. Didn't know anything about church. I'm preaching in Columbus, Ohio. The church is full. He comes down, he prays. And the pastor motions for me to come down. I kneel beside of him and I talk to him for a few moments and then I realize he knows nothing of Jesus Christ, knows nothing of the Bible, doesn't know anything about salvation. And I asked him, I said, why are you here? He said, you preached and told me this morning that if you need your life changed, this man called Jesus could change your life. And he said, I don't know how, I don't know how you get that, but I want that today. And I told him just like you would tell a kindergarten Sunday school class, how that children can believe in Jesus. And he accepted Christ and was saved. And you know what, in that one revival, he brought 18 family members, every one of them got saved as well. Where are those dynamic conversions? I had a revival one time. I came out the back door of the church. Someone was waiting and they said, there's a car over there. They want you to get in the back seat. You preach the way I do, that's not good news. But something in my heart said, get in the car. I told Candy, I said, it's okay. I'll be back in a minute. I got in the back car. When I got in the car, there was a couple individuals in the front turned around with a man in the back seat. And I said, what's the problem? And they said, well, he wouldn't come to revival. Said, but he got under conviction at home. And he is so burdened that he can't get the strength to get out of the car. So we told him Jesus could save him right here. And you know that's exactly what happened. The Lord saved him in the back seat of that automobile. I would say if I went through this crowd today, there would be people that would have all types of testimonies to say the Lord showed up in places you never thought that he would come to touch your heart and bring conviction to you that you might repent and believe and be saved. Nothing, nothing is ever greater than the miracle of salvation. Where's all the miracles concerning nature? The Lord heard the cries of Joshua and the sun stood still. Jesus spoke to the winds and waves. The winds and waves and they obeyed his voice. There's an elderly lady down in the mountains that there was a tornado coming toward their little mobile home park. She was physically unable to get out. Years had left her body frail. Her family was in the house and they started crying and they were frantic. And she said, it's all right, children. Let's just ask the good Lord to take care of us. She bowed down on her knees and she said, Jesus, I'm so glad you know my voice because I talk to you every day. You ride on the winds. Spare 
my family. That thing went through that tornado park, tore up, that, that tornado went through that mobile home park, tore up every mobile home in that place. When it came to hers, it skipped right over top of her mobile home, got the one on both sides and hers was fine. And inside was a praying grandmother that knew the power of God. You know, you know where the miracles are? They're not over. God still answers prayer. God can still stop the storms in your life and turn it all around. Where's all the miracles of the leadership of the Holy Spirit? I hold enough meetings to be very blunt with you and very honest with you. Everything that people says the Lord led them to do, he didn't lead them. It just happens. People get in the flesh and everything that they say God leads them to do, God doesn't lead them to do. But I'm glad I've seen enough things happen, not only in my ministry, but the ministry of others. And I've seen the leadership of the Holy Spirit There was a man that I used to uh, go to a lot of his meetings, very successful preacher spiritually, I'm talking about success, very successful preacher spiritually, and God allowed him to pastor a great church, and he had a dynamic ministry, he's been with the Lord for a number of years, and he had a unique way of preaching, his his style of preaching was different than most preachers, and when he would preach, he would oftentimes in revivals, he'd take Bible stories and, and he would insert names in Bible stories. And they called him to this tent meeting to preach in this tent meeting. And, and he, he got to preaching on the prodigal son. And what he would do when he'd get to the prodigal son, uh, there was the prodigal son. And you remember there was the son that stayed at home with the father. He would always name the prodigal, give the prodigal a name. And he would also give the son that stayed home a name. And as he got up to preach for some reason, he drew a blank. He always used the same two names when he would preach that sermon, but he drew a blank. He he couldn't remember. He said, uh, the son that stayed with the father, he said, let's just call his name uh, John. And he said, and John had a brother and we'll call his name Bud. And he said, I stopped and thought, Bud. (laughs) Of all the names to pick, why would I pick a name like Bud? And he said, I preached on John and I preached on Bud and told him that Bud took what was his father's and went down and spent it all on riotous living and told him how John one day was there when Bud finally came to himself and came home and how John looked at him and how how jealous that he got and how even though he was in father's house, he wasn't right with father. He was angry with his father. And he said, but I'm here to tell you, if you're a John or if you're a Bud, the Lord will forgive you. And he said, all of a sudden, outside the tent, a guy comes running down, kneels on one end of the altar. A few minutes later, another guy comes running down, kneels at the altar. He said, I come down and I go to the first one and I said, what's your name? He said, my name's John. He said, Bud's down on the other end of the altar. Let me tell you, there is a reason why God leads the way that he leads sometimes and does what he does. The leadership of the Holy Spirit. Where be all his miracles? They're his. And he bestows them on us. Where be all of his miracles concerning healing? 
Oh, we, we don't need that now, preacher. We've got good doctors. Let me tell you why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. You may not need it right now, but there will come a time where the average person under my voice, there will come a time, some point, somewhere, someday in your life where you'll reach a situation that nothing but a miracle will do. Now, folks don't like what I'm about to preach, but I can't help it. I've seen too much to believe any other way now. And, and let, me get, let me get this right. It's not my miracle, it's not your miracle, it's his miracle. I was in the middle of a camp meeting Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the big tabernacle. I'm preaching on blind Bartimaeus. In the middle of the service, I'm only five or 10 minutes into the sermon. And in the middle of the service, I mean back in one section, the crowd erupts with such praise. And I thought, man, I didn't say anything that get anybody stirred up like that. But they just, they were uncontrollable. And before I know it, it was sweeping all through the tabernacle. Hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people were on their feet, waving their hands, shouting, praising God. It took several minutes for things, for someone just to pass along what had happened. A man sitting with his wife, blind back in that section, was sitting there, he had been able to see as a young man but had been blind, said you'll never see again for years and years and years and years, an older gentleman. He's sitting there fumbling with, with the Bible. He doesn't know it's a Bible, there's just a book in front of him and he's sitting there fumbling with, with that Bible and he said he has it open and he said he looks down and he said there's the passage on blind Bartimaeus and he could see it. And as soon as he said, I can see to his wife, she lost it. I was preaching in a meeting one time. It's okay if I share my heart with you today. I was preaching in a meeting one time and there was a mother came up at the end of service. She had a little girl. The little girl was born with all all kinds of physical problems. She had braces on her legs. She was blind. She, she, couldn't, she couldn't hardly do anything for herself. Her mother had to do everything for her. In that particular service, the mother helped that little girl. I mean, it took what seemed like forever for her to get that young girl up to the front of the church. And she motioned for me to come down and the good pastor, he came down with me. He's in heaven now too. And he said to her, tell the preacher what you want. She said, well, you can tell by looking. My little girl said, they give her no chance of survival. Said, she's, she's here. I praise God for that. She said, but preacher said, every preacher that ever comes into this church 
I asked them, will you please pray and believe God to heal my baby? And she said, do you believe God can heal? And I said, absolutely. She said, good, because I don't want you to pray it if you don't believe it. And she said, I I have prayed until I'm tired of praying. I don't know how to pray anymore. And I need help. And I said, well, let's pray. We laid hands on her, we prayed. I wish that I could tell you everything changed, but it didn't change, not in a moment's time. The sweet presence of the Lord came. The power of the Holy Spirit came. The next night, I looked through the crowd and I asked the pastor, I said, I noticed that she's not back. She didn't come back that night, didn't come back the next night. The meeting went on, it was an extended meeting. People were being saved. And this is, this is not an exaggeration. People were standing out in the foyer coming and, and all types of wonderful things happened in that revival. There was one man that they'd given up, Cleveland Clinic had given up to die. He had a big cancer on the side of his neck. I mean, it, it was almost nauseating to look at him. And he would apologize and he said, I keep coming and he said, I know people look at me in it and they're turned off by me, but I can't help it. He said, they can't do anything for me, and if God doesn't do it here, then it just won't happen. Well, about halfway through that meeting, one night while I'm preaching, he jumps up while I'm preaching, and he said, it's gone, and that whole tumor was completely gone, and his skin was just as clear as a baby's skin. Things were happening. You know, it don't take long to fill a church up when something's happening. If I I didn't enjoy going to church any more than what most folks do, I wouldn't go any more than what they do either. Things like that were happening, but still, that mother was not there. All, all the revival, not there, not there, not there. The closing night of that revival on my part, the meeting went on after that, but the closing night on my part, I finally had to go on to another meeting. I look and she's there. When I get ready to preach, she stands up and says, preacher, can I interrupt you? I said, sure, go right ahead. She said, I came at the beginning of this revival and you know what I ask you. And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And she said, everybody in this church that knows me knows my situation with my daughter. And said, that night when we prayed, I went home and the next morning when I got up to get those big heavy braces and put them on my daughter's legs and I looked at her and thought she can't even wash her face. She can't do anything for herself. She said, and I said to myself, I'm done, I quit. Don't you be pious. It can have a way of wearing you down. She said, that's it. I'm not going back to church. I'm not not gonna go anymore. I'm not gonna ask any more preachers to pray. Maybe I've just believed a lie all these years. And she said, so, 
That day I told God how angry I was. And the next day I told God how angry I was. And the next day I told God how angry I was and how I was going to quit and how I just gave up and that's the end of everything. I'm done. It's over. I'm done. She said, I got up this morning and thought to myself, I'm going to have to get out of this mood that I'm in. I know what I'll do. She said, I'll busy myself. So she said, I decided to start spring cleaning in our little mobile home that we have. She said, I started spring cleaning the mobile home. And she said, so I thought the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to start in the living room. Said So I moved everything from the walls, the couch and the chair, moved it all to the center of the room so that I could clean all around the baseboards. And said, I thought it'd be a good day to spring clean. I'll just get my mind off of it. She said, so I get busy spring cleaning and said, I've got all the furniture there. And before I know it, I'm back into another room. And she said, and, and I looked down at my watch and I couldn't believe it, said, but but like an hour and a half or two hours had passed and thought, oh my, I haven't checked on my daughter. And she said, and when I started down the hallway, for any of you that ever lived in a mobile home, and Candy and I lived in a mobile home for a number of years, and most of them are laid out the same. Uh, you, you know, you've got the little kitchen in the front, and then you've got a little living room, and then you've got a long hallway in the bedrooms and the bath and the bedroom is at that hallway, and usually the the uh, master suite <laughs> is right in the end. And she said, and I was back in the back cleaning my closet out. And she said, and I started down, and she said, when I started down that hallway, she said, I mean to tell you, it took my breath. Said it absolutely took my breath. There in the hallway lie the braces on the legs of my daughter and first thing crossed my mind is somebody, I got busy cleaning and working and somebody has come in and kidnapped her and taken her away. So I start yelling her name and frantic down the hallway I come and said, and when I get to the living room where all the furniture's moved in, said I look and there she is. She's walking around the furniture holding on to it walking around and she said, I, I just want to show you all what God has done. She took that little girl by the hand and took her in the center out, started walking around that church. So help me every pew that little girl passed by. It was like a wave from glory that flooded that place and folks were praising God. People were saying, where be all his miracles that our fathers told us about? Can I tell you the day of miracles is not over. He still performs miracles. He still saves souls. He still controls nature. He still heals bodies. He is able to do anything. Where be all his miracles? How many here this morning in this service you know that he gave you one of his miracles. You know that. Get on your feet. You know he gave you one of his miracles. I think you're in the right place today. You know what you ought to do? You ought to just take a minute. You say it the way you want to say it. You do it the way you want to do it. No 
everyone's critical of you, but you ought to take just a minute and look up to heaven and say, Lord, I thank you that you did for me what nobody else could do. When I was at a place that I couldn't help myself, Lord, 